I think it's okay to pray for technology to work. So we'll see. See, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's just, let's just pause a moment here. Lord, uh, you started us on this journey, and all the preparation on my end, every prayer, every moment, every thought, especially over the last week, I just give to you, uh, that you, Holy Spirit, the great teacher, the counselor, the comforter, the convictor, that you would do all those things that you do. And so we hold on loosely to every plan and everyone out here who, who brought in their Sunday mornings, which inevitably means a lot of things go wrong when you're trying to go to church, get ready for church. So we give you that too. Speak to us, Father. Comfort us, convict us, teach us, Spirit. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You know, sometimes after we sing these praises, you want to get up here and you get a little bit excited, you want to jump in. But it's this idea, that's a little bit newer of an idea for me, but this idea that, you know, each one of us has a a spirit, each one of us has a soul, and and the lines between these things, we have terms like spirit, soul, heart, and the lines, uh, the boundaries of each one can be a little fuzzy and depends on who you ask. However, if I put it this way, sometimes your soul has to catch up with you. Does that make sense? Sometimes the things, the thoughts, the actions are such that the created part in you has to catch up. You drove here faster than you could run or walk, uh, faster than you could pedal for most of you, and some from far away. And then you're getting coffee, getting, getting jacked on caffeine, right? All this stuff. And then come in here and sing. And then we got to kind of pause, right? So I think I'd just say that to just kind of create that space. We're going through the, the letter uh, book, which we call First John. And it was written by John. And who's John? The author of this. Well, I'm sorry? Apostle. Yeah, yeah. So... He was someone who walked with Jesus, right? What other books did this, this John write? What's that? Gospel of John, yeah. What else? Second John. Second John, awesome, yes, yes, yes. Third John, we're getting there. Okay, another one. Revelation, sweet, okay. So we know who we're talking about here. Today, um, we're going to take another little piece and, and trust that the Lord has something for us in this. So turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 18 once you get there. Here's verse 18. It goes like this. Little children, and you're thinking, wait a second, you repeated this. Yes, we're, we're rewinding and moving forward very slowly, okay? This is going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. We're going to milk this for all that the Lord has this worth, right? Little children, the phrase here, guys, what does little children, this phrase mean if you've been with us? What's that? Us, Us, right? Yeah. Little children, uh, the term is more about, not so much about being a small child as being an unlearned one, a a student, 
So, so basically, John is telling us once again, hey, if you want to follow me as I follow Jesus, then this is you. So if that's you, then he's writing to you. If not, listen to this, and hopefully this will make you want to be a disciple of Jesus. Okay? Fair? Cool. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So do you know what that means to, to love in word or talk? What's that mean? Words are cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Right? It's easy to say, I love you. Hard to prove it. Especially if you use a lot of words like me. Apparently women use a whole lot more words than men, and then there's men like me who use way too many words, right? Probably more than the woman, the average woman. Uh, (laughs) Some wives are like, yeah, my husband is the same way, right? Yeah. Uh, Words... So let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Do you see this happening? Are we saying that we are, we're loving, yet we're not being loving? Yeah or no? We all got this sewn up? We're, we're good? No? Okay. No, this is hard to do. And we keep dwelling on this simple fact, guys, because as a pastor of a church, there's a constant pressure. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we do all sorts of things. People have given us all sorts of practices, programs, and none of these things are evil. But what they are, what we've learned, is they're what I would call Christian-flavored world systems. Christian-flavored cosmos. What you're standing in here is some sort of Christian-flavored cosmos, world system, program, part of the world where you come in, you dress a certain way, you sing certain songs, just like everyone else is today in these churches. We drink the same type of coffee, the burnt stuff, right? We drink this, we eat the same snacks from Costco, right? We dress the same way. We all have polo shirts and speak in higher pitch voices than we normally do, right? No one here drinks, smokes, thinks about the opposite sex in a sexual way, right? It's all PG vanilla plain. This is the, no, it's, but this is the world system we're offered into, okay? And when it's lacking love, Indeed, and only in word, it doesn't work. What it creates is a world on the outside and a world on the inside all seeing the same thing. The church is a building full of hypocrites. Yes, we are, and so is everyone else, right? And we got a few more chairs if some more hypocrites would like to come in and sit with the rest of us hypocrites in here. The difference is, hopefully you and I, are dependent on the Lord and the Spirit to try to make us less hypocritical and more like Christ. Make sense? So, we can't go anywhere else. As a matter of fact, when they tried to corner Jesus and tell him, give us a bunch of cool rules we can follow, what's the most important? He basically talked about love. Loving God, right? With our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Loving our neighbor, loving ourselves, it all boiled down to love. And so if we're loving in words but not in deeds, we don't need programs. We don't need to feed the hungry if we're not doing it in a loving way. We don't need to have a Bible study if it's not about love and truth. We, we don't need evangelism to win people to Christ, right? Those are man's terms. We don't win people to Christ. The Lord draws people to himself. And we love them in such a way that hopefully they stay for the journey. 
Okay? This is huge. I could, if I retired at 85, I could preach from now to 85 just on this, and it wouldn't be a waste of a life. That's how important this is. Well, there we go. You want to reset that for me, and we'll see if it's going to work again. Uh, there's that technology again. Yeah, it's not going to work. We'll try it again. This, we'll try it another way. Okay, go ahead and go to the next slide for me, if you would. So, please, yes, yes. So what we find here is actually, uh, I borrowed this, this, this phrase, this saying, because this is what, what can be used to kind of summarize what's, what's being talked about here. And, and one of the things that's really going on is that, that John is talking to us not merely about like a loving action in one moment, but a loving lifestyle if you will, a lifestyle of love and action. And that looks a little bit different than just a, like a, a lifestyle of love, right? Because we have these definitions of love, and these definitions look like, I only say peaceful and kind and nice things, right? However, what we find is that's not going to work. Simply saying the nice thing, doing the right thing is not going to work on it, in itself, We've got to love in deed and in truth. So our goal is not always to be pleasant, but always to be loving. And if we do this, verse 19, 1 John 3 says this, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. What's, what's that mean? I mean, how, do, how can I reassure my heart? Does your heart need reassuring that you belong to him? Would it be fair to say that in the life of a Christian that you might question at times, really, is, this, is it true? Am I, am I really his? Am I really saved? Do I really believe? Would these be the characteristics of, of a real Christian? I would say yeah. I would say you have to examine yourself from time to time. I don't think that's a bad thing. So how can you be reassured? Trusting. Trusting. True? But you can be reassured if you see this, if you see a lifestyle of love developing in you. This is what John is talking about. Because the problem is our heart, right? It says reassure your heart. And when we think about heart, we only think about the organ. The tricky thing about this is the root word that this comes from could mean the fleshy organ, but it also means the center of a person. It means your, your attitude, your personality, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions could all be tied up in your heart. So it, it's referring to our heart, our feelings, our emotions. Those are all part of this. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, John's telling us, for whenever our heart condemns us, what's, what's that look like for your heart to condemn you? What's that? I'm sorry? Feeling guilty. That's a great example. Yeah. What, what over here? I'm sorry? Satan lying. That's as old as Genesis, right? I mean, Satan, what, all he had to do was, was sow doubt. All he had to do was sow doubt. And he's still doing that, like twisting, imitating, 
sowing doubt, sowing confusion. So whenever our heart condemns us, when I say that, can you feel that? Have you been there? See, condemn is a word that's very final. And we, we overdo, yeah. Yes. Sure. Right? See, that, that's, and you're exactly on that, that same point there. He said, you know, that condemnation as opposed to guilt, there's a difference here. So condemnation is like a, a final judgment statement, you're bad. Well, guilt can be, you did bad, right? A moment of conscience says, I did bad. Condemnation says, you are bad. You know, a moment of truth can say, wow, man, my heart is hard in this place. A condemnation is, your heart is no good forever, right? Uh, a word of truth is, I blew that relationship. Uh, condemnation says, you're not worthy of being loved, uh, you know, correction, conviction can say, I sinned against God. Condemnation says, you're so bad, God could never love you. You see the difference there? So when your heart condemns you, it, it, becomes, um, it becomes a barrier which is just insurmountable in your own power, right? So that's why it says this. For whenever our heart condemns us, kind of know what that feels like, our words, guilt, shame, uh, isolation, surrender, hopelessness, these types of things might be the words we might use to describe that. Then it, that's the negative, right? Our heart condemns us. It says, God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. Like, that should be some good news. God is greater than your feelings, guys. He's greater than your feelings. He's greater than your emotions. He's greater than your personality than your desires, your hopes, your wants. He's, he's greater than that. And not only that, it gets better. And he knows everything. So you can look at the past, right? I remember, Jamie, you said one time to me that you were, had praying for me and you came and told me, you know, I was praying for you and I think that God was telling me, you got to look at everything in your past and that's what this is kind of talking about and understand even the mistakes that you made all of those, God knew you because he knows everything, right? He knows, and this is a message for not just me, but for everyone here. God knows everything, even the ways you were going to make bad decisions. We're easy to figure out, guys. We're really easy to figure out. People do this. Let alone angels, demons, and God. These guys are far superior to us. And I can tell you, many people in here can figure you out. <laughs> we're not that different. So God knows what you'll do. He knows the mistakes you'll make. And that's, that's your point. He knows the mistakes you'll make, the things that you'll do right. He knew where you'd be right now. And so accept that. Be grateful for that. And just receive his love. So whenever your heart condemns you, this is that message. If you feel like your heart is condemning you because of the mistakes that you made, or what you didn't do, or, or what your life has given you, or what circumstances caused you, or, or what, whatever it is, know that God is greater. Yeah, I guess whatever I said really struck a chord. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. 
Now, beloved, he says, he even takes it to another level. Like, he's like, man, students, my kids, like, guys that I love, just listen to this. Like, if our heart does not condemn us, okay, once we stop knocking ourselves down, we can have confidence before God. Now, confidence before God, that's a tricky thing here. Uh, the word here actually could be used, maybe boldness might even be a better, better uh, translation. But there's a boldness, a confidence, and assurance before God. And, and a lot of times it's used to be verbally. So it's kind of like, I'd like to say rather than confidence before God, I, I would like to put my own word in God. And here's why I'm saying this. Okay, follow this. So now you're saying, okay, if... If I know that God knows more than me, right? And if I know and I study the scripture, this is what we have to do, guys. That's why you can't just come Sunday. I don't mean this in a religious way. But most of the stuff the people tell me since I became a pastor is not from the Bible. It's from another pastor or a Bible study leader or a YouTuber or a podcaster. It's other people's ideas about the Bible. And then we grab onto phrases these people say. And these phrases, guys, aren't necessarily evil, right? They're not necessarily evil. However, if we claim them to be the word of God, then we lie, right? They're a word of man. So this is the danger. When we get into the scripture, we're going to hear things like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See how huge that is? To access God, you don't have to clean your life up. Once you connect with Jesus, his power cleans your life up. But then the Bible goes on to say, if you think you're connected to him and your life isn't cleaning up, check the connection, right? And then it goes on to say this, especially in the last two years, guys. Systems, the world, everything's breaking apart, right? We're freaking out, we're fighting. If we look at the scripture, it's very clear that the kingdom of God is not dependent on a country, a political party, a world system, on finances, as a matter of fact, since the beginning of time, right? Man has always said, let's formalize this thing and give us a king, right? And they're like, you don't want a king, because guess what people do? Right? You want someone to crap it up? Put a person in charge, right? And so give me King Saul. How did that go? Not too well, right? And David, for all intents and purposes, David did some great things. But look at his descendants after him, what this junk they did. How did that go? Not so well. Uh, okay, well, let's take the church and make it part of the government and the Roman Empire. How did that go? Right? How, did it, how, did, how is the American experiment going? Right? Like, okay, all these things should not be surprised. If you read in your Bible, it's all have to fall apart. Well, the, the glaciers are melting. Yeah, they will, probably. But the world's not going to end by flood. It's pretty clear. It's going to burn up. Okay? So flood a little bit if you want. That's cool. Save a seal. Do whatever. That's, that's cool. But know your scripture. Know your truth. Oh, the world. The country, yeah, they, the countries do have to fall apart. Yeah. Right? Do you see this, guys? We're so stuck in what people are telling us that we're up in arms and we lose the fact that we should not be contemned before God because he knows more than us. He's smarter than us. He sees more and is more powerful than us. That's why we have worship. We should all be groveling at the feet of God. Not telling him what he should do. Not telling him who our leader should be. Not telling him how our system should be. Groveling at his feet because he's not condemning us, so why are we condemning us or one another? Right? 
And then it goes on to this. This is a commonly abused statement, and this will be next week, okay? But I don't want to leave it out. Verse 22 says this, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. That's like a dangerous one, right? How's that working? If I just say it, then God's going to give me what I want. No. No. Okay. Well, maybe if I'm really nice. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Keep reading. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Okay, here's a preview of next week, okay? If I'm keeping his commandments, okay, I care what he cares about. I mean, take any world issue, like, like you, could, you could take any sort of moral issue. Like, you don't steal because God does not want, let me put it this way, God doesn't want you not to steal because he doesn't want you to have the nice thing that you want to steal, right? God doesn't want you to steal for many reasons. One, because it belongs to somebody else and it would cause a loss for them. Two, it would, it would bypass the growth that you need from earning that money to buy the thing that you want. Or that thing you're going to steal, you should not have because it will be poison for you. You see that? There's greater reasons than that. So when you keep his commandments and do what pleases him, what are you going to want? What he wants. What, he wants. what are you going to pursue? What he pursues. And so, Brandy, we've been talking a lot about this. I mean, this is what I want, and I pray for it. Is it what God wants? I don't know. Did you even ask? And whatever we ask, right, because we're living this life of love. Love for God, love for our neighbors as ourselves. And because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases, and this is, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. But praying about this, I'm going to read through the end of this, but then we're going to back up a little bit, okay? We'll hit the rewind. Just as he commanded us. Verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. Okay. There, there's your preview. Now let me go back. I don't know if you can see this because the writing is, is kind of small, but I wanted to show you this. This is, where, this is where the Holy Spirit really kind of put the pause button on me. I put this in, in a way that you can see, hopefully, that it's foundational, even if you can't read it. The very foundation of this structure, of this life of a Christian, is this. Remember the beginning of this section of Scriptures? That we have to understand and see how great the Father's love is for us. That's foundational. We receive love from God. If you don't get that, you can't go any farther. Not long term. You can't go any farther. The foundational, the first thing that we need to do is receive love from God. And because of God's love, what it grows in us is a confidence in God. A confidence in God. What's that look like? A couple things. One, I feel like we're confident to go to him, to speak with him. That's important, right? If you have a distant God that you're waiting to, sh- to send down blessings or lightning bolts, 
That's not an intimate relationship. That is not the relationship of someone who has confidence in God. The other thing is the confidence, the trust, the assurance of God. Because I'm convinced this, the more people I talk to, the more I look at myself and the people around me. Here's the biggest sin problem. The sin problem is back to the very beginning. It's part of that curse where it was like, you know what, Eve? Surely you can have that fruit. God is simply holding out on you. It's that. I need, I want, I can't have because God's holding out on me, so I'm going to go around him. Or this compartmentalized thinking like, I need this and this is not God's area. So I do this myself. So from that confidence in God, what will happen is we can love indeed and truth. And, and then within that love comes all the commandments. We keep his commandments and do what he pleases. And as we do that, guess what we can have? More assurance and more confidence in God. And then, and only then, with that kind of confidence, as people living based on his commandments, doing what he pleases, then can we ask, and we can receive. Does that make sense? That's a lot there. I just want to see, I want you to see what I'm building up to here. We receive the love from God, but if we jump ahead of that, and all I do is I come here and say love and and deed and truth, how's that going to go? It's not going to be from your heart. It's not going to be from the center of you. It's not going to be from the true part of you. You're going to fake it on the outside. Then Jesus will have to give us another like Sermon on the Mount, right? Right, Josh, like we've been talking about, man. All of this is a lot more than your actions. It's the actions that come from your heart. And if we won't receive God's love and approach him with confidence, man, there's no way that we can love. You know, Rick, Joyce, we we just met. So for me to love you in such a way, right, what's the barrier to me loving you in such a way? It's probably something like this. It's this fear, right? To not know who you are, to not know if, if you'll hurt me. But if I have confidence in God, that what could anyone do to me? What could death do to me when God's for me? Then I have a freedom to love. Like Brandy is my wife, right? If I love her in such a way where I, it's dependent on what she can do for me, that's not really love. That's fear-based. And if I know that God has me, even if she doesn't have my best interest in mind at every moment, then I can love without fear. Each one of you, our relationship, right? To love you, my brothers and sisters, as, as I love myself, that comes from the love I get from God. I don't have to approach that with fear. I can speak truth to you. And if you run and you hide and you say bad things about me, then that just tells me that this is not the place for you. Fair enough? Or it tells me you not be, might not be of him at all. Because John just told us that. If they leave, there you go. Know. Okay, so this building. So it would be abusive for me to come talk to you about doing the right things. Because then you get rules, and you try really hard to obey all those rules, right? How would that go? Hopefully good. Yeah, but would it? No. (laughs) Probably not. Has it ever gone well? Inevitably, they create some rules, and then people break those rules. So they either amend those rules to make them easier to keep, or they add more rules. It doesn't work. 
So today, I, what I want us to focus on from this, this section of Scripture we read is this confidence before God. What's the challenge to the confidence before God, confidence in God? I would present to you that it's the problem with feelings. Well, what do you mean, Will? You guys have feelings? I mean, it's a dumb question, right? You, you have feelings. Sometimes you feel good about something. It could be thoughts, too. You're thinking, I think this is true. I feel this is true. I'll give you this scripture here, Jeremiah 17, 9. And this is often used as a condemning type of scripture. But the more I study it, I feel like the Holy Spirit's showing me this in a different way. So clearly, this is the Old Testament, you understand, spoken by God through the prophet Jeremiah. And he explained to the people, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, the teaching of that is like, you're worthless, no good, you know, and there's no hope for you, right? So it's this constant, like, let's get back to that kind of downtrodden approach to God. One problem is good news came in the form of Jesus, right? So Jesus can give us a new heart. But we can't forget what, what the definition of, of this word heart here. So if the heart, what do we, what do we learn the heart is? What's that? Deceitful. Deceitful. But what? But actually, what the word heart? What's it referring to? The center of a person, right? So, what kind of what kind of North American 2021 words would we use to describe that? The center of a person. Attitude. That's a great one. Your soul, right? Your thoughts, personality, feelings. What's that? Prayer. Well, it can come from that. What was that? Ego, what was that? See? Mindset, yeah, all of these things. So if I said that, man, your feelings, your attitudes, your thoughts, your mindset, your emotions, your desires, your wants, even your perceived needs, those can really fool you. That's what deceit, deceitful means, right? They can really trick you. They can really do a number on you in your life. They can really misguide you and misdirect you more than anything else because it feels and you think it's true. Right? Does that make sense? Do your feelings, do your thoughts, do your attitudes, does your personality sometimes just carry you away? And this is what God is trying to show us, guys. Your feelings, your thoughts, those things that you think are the most important, man, those things can trick you. Those things can fool you. I mean, and they can get you into that place where you are desperately sick. You know what that looks like? You felt that? And then we employ tricks like this, right? Like, change your attitude. Have a positive mindset. Just will yourself to do it. 
How's that going? Now you know why we live, I mean, just in our community, guys. I mean, do you see the, there's like children killing themselves and, and people, there's like pills that are known to sometimes you take one of them if they're laced and they kill you and people aren't doing that crap every day. <laughs> like, what? Because your feelings got you so carried away, your thoughts have you so carried away. The truth has nothing to do with it. And I do the same thing. The flavor of your foolishness might not be that. But don't be deceived. It is foolish just the same. Another one. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Clearly written by somebody with experience that did this the wrong way. And you know this one. It's on your coffee mugs and your t-shirts, at least part of it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Heart, once again. Trust in the Lord with all your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts. Because you know what the thing that happens, guys? If you look at the scripture, what's always the problem? It's this phrase, their hearts were hardened. Anyone feel suicidal? Yeah, your heart was hardened. Anyone get a divorce? Your heart was hardened. Anyone just drink to get through the day? Your heart is hardened. Anyone, you know, not talk to your parents or your kids? Your heart is hardened. Anyone treat their neighbor with so much disrespect? Your heart was hardened. Anyone hate themselves? Your heart is hardened. Like, that's the problem. That comes because your feelings, your emotions, and your thoughts have got you trapped and desperately sick. And so this person who's been there says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, all your feelings, all your emotions, all your thoughts, all your personality, all your hopes, all your dreams. Trust Jesus in that. Trust the Lord in that. And don't lean on your own ability to understand it. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Oh, if we could get that, man. Oh. We think, Casey, let's just not, let, we'll just take just that and study that the next 30 years. What do you think? See what happens. Be a game changer. Be a game changer. Hmm. Confidence in God, that's what that is. Easy to say, hard to do. So you have to ask yourself this question, right? Because all I'm supposed to do here is equip and enable you the best that I can, right? To turn your eyes, pay, pay attention to God and what he's doing. Open your life to the Holy Spirit. And then that will equip and enable you to be a light to the world around you. I'm not here to save you or save your neighbors. It's really not that. I'll trust on a Sunday that God brings in, in through those doors who he needs to hear this. I hope this is you today. And if it's not, then listen harder or respectfully be quiet then, okay? The deal? But every, every God-loving and God-fearing person should ask, confidence in God, do I have it? Do I have it? I mean, you have this. You have wants, hopes, desires, needs, wishes, 
Uh, heartbreaks have happened to you, circumstances that were wrong, fears, doubts, insecurities, holes, right, in your heart, if you will. And all of these things, okay, all of your hopes, your wants, your desires, where do they come from? Where do they come from? What's that? Your heart? Yeah. It's, it's what you think you need. It's what you feel you need. Yeah. Oh, man, if I just never had this again, I would die. Really, would you? Water? Sure. A very basic need is love. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's the funny thing about it. Okay, let's, let's, let's put on our brains here a second, Okay. God gave us brains for a purpose, and so if we think about truth, the truth is all of the things that you want, need, whatever you want to call it, right? Like this is what I'm lacking that I'm still hoping to get. That's coming from your mind or your feelings. Flat out it is. You know, that's why we try to impose our feelings and thoughts on God. And this is the, this is the you know, it's the common uh, thing that trips everyone up when it comes to God. If God is good, then how come so many bad things happen in the world? Well, one sends an easy answer, but then we run into things like, you ever met somebody who was in a car accident who got hurt, who said, if I didn't get in that car accident, I, it would, that saved my life. Or we think or feel that being 10 and dying is bad, okay? I don't want a 10-year-old to die. But would it be better to be with God or be with me? God's much better, right? I'm a mess. Amen, Brandy? You'd rather be with God than me, right? So, so we use our thoughts and our feelings, and then we try to put God in that cage. This is how you operate, God. So then we think, God, you're not doing what I want you to do. Make sense? So that being true, here's the first question. Do our feelings condemn us in our own mind? The way that I feel, there is no hope for this. There is no hope for this. There is no hope for this. There is no chance that this goes away. There's no chance that God uses this for good. And even more so, I'm no good. I keep making these mistakes. There's no hope for me. I'm too old or too young or too short or too tall or too fat or too skinny or too bald or never, always, all this stuff. These condemning feelings. So when we believe that to the point, we can't even get to truth. We have a sick heart and we live a sick life. But we still button our shirts up and say God is good all the time on Sunday. Right? Another question, does the perspective of what happened in our past, is another way of saying this, keep us from thinking God can be trusted with our present? If you can't trust God, who can you trust? Well, we try a lot of different people. We do, we do. Does that perspective of what's happened in our past keep us from thinking God can be trusted in our present? 
Now, if, if you're answering yes to those things, I would encourage you to, be, to kind of be thinking about that. Maybe if you're taking notes, jot that down or type it in your phone, something to really kind of look at. But John has given us some truth. See, this is the way that this works. This is probably the, one of the most important reasons why you need to uh, have a relationship with God and where you're, you're getting truth put into you. Does that make sense? And you can do that in a lot of ways, like Bible studies together, Bible study alone. But, but go to the scripture, and from that, God will speak to you. And believe me, I, I believe that God still speaks. But it starts with scripture because he doesn't, he doesn't contradict himself. Okay? But John said right here, he dropped this truth bomb on us. God is greater than your feelings. But God, I feel so this. I know. God is greater than your feelings. Yeah, but I was thinking God is greater than your thoughts. But this is how it should be. God is greater than what you think it should be. He knows everything. So I, I would love, I would love to talk about answered prayers, right? I'd love to talk about, because I, I think praying is huge, right? I, I'd love to talk about obedience, because obedience is so important, guys. It's, just because Jesus came, it doesn't mean that there's no more consequence for sin, right? I, I'd love to talk about God's goodness. I'd love to talk about God's grace, but I think that's like 102. We got to stop here today and kind of dwell on this and and look at this this week. I mean, we're not going to take adequate time to do this. This is the journey of your life, you understand. To take away all those things that make you think that God is distant, to to peel them away and and focus more on, on Him. But I think I know, not I think. I know the problem in most of their li- your lives and mine is this. You don't think God is going to get to the place you need him to get to for your hope. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. That place that you need attention to get to that hope, you don't think God's going to get there. And it comes down to the fact you don't understand his love. And that could look so many different ways because we've got people starting out in adult life and we have people, you know, going towards the end of their adult life and there's unique problems to both of those phases and unique problems to everyone in between. But, but all the problems that we try to solve ourselves through sin, it's, it's basically illustrating our lack of trust in God our lack of confidence in God. So think about this as you think about those things. Where am I not trusting? Think about this truth. This comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, 
Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, right? Let's actually really believe what we say we believe. Let's really say what we really believe what we say we believe. Let us hold fast to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You see that piece? How can you have confidence in and before God? His grace. His grace. And we do that so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I know it's a lot. It's always a lot, right? You know this this phrase, Jehovah Jireh? I've given you the answer, but what's it mean? What's that? God will provide. Okay, tell me, tell me specifically, like, what's that look like? I mean, that's just, those are cold words. God will provide. What, what's that mean? God's got this. Love it. What else? He gives us what we need. We don't have to worry about what? Finances. We don't have to worry about our finances. He'll find a way out of your circumstance. What's that? Or through them. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. You see, this is real. Like, ooh, you don't have to worry, right? Even each other. Man, when I fail you, which I promise I will, God provides. It's like, oh, you know what? He's working on Will, and he's working on me, and he's working on our neighbor, right? And so we want to do what's right because we follow God who's righteous. We want to be holy because he's holy. We want to practice righteousness. We want to do all those things, but God will provide. And he just does that again and again. And if we try to short-circuit his process to provision, then what happens is sin. We rush these things. Oh, man, you need healing in your health. I don't know. You might die. You might get better. I don't know. But guess what? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, right? That's right. Oh, but my relationship, it's got to get better with such and such. Well, are you loving that person? Like, really loving that person? I'm, a, I'm offending today, I think. I don't know. I am. Are you really loving that person? Well, no. Well, just love them. No, 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 no. See, that, that's, isn't that, that's subtle. Oh, yeah, right, the pastor. Love them. But my spouse, love them. But, but my mom, love, love them. them. But my kids, love them. But my friend, love them. But my boss, love them. No. Last week, funky Greek word. 
Agapao, right? Remember that? Agapao, what's it mean? What's that? Speak up loud, I want to hear you. The angels need to hear you. Love, okay, but what, what kind of love? It's, it's the verb love, right? Agapao, you do that, but it, oh, the juice for that only comes from Jesus. It's Jesus' juice that gets you going to do that. So if you're not loving somebody in those relationships, and you know that God will provide, not only does he need to provide healing for that relationship, guess what the first step is? God needs to provide agapao for you for that person. It only comes from receiving his. You want to love your wife? Flowers might not be the first step. Prayer and Bible reading might actually be the first step. So that you have enough love, agapao, right? The agape love of God given in a verb sense to actually love that person. You see the difference in that? Like you're going off empty. You're shooting blanks in life. And then you wonder why it's not working. God will provide. He's been through that. And he's seen. His mom and them thought he was crazy. He gets relationship issues. You can't tell me he hung out with a bunch of prostitutes and those chicks didn't hit on him. Right? If that's your issue. You can't tell me he wasn't lonely. You can't tell me the woman caught in adultery pulled out in the street naked where he was like, ooh, okay, I don't want to look at that, right? You can't tell me he didn't have to sit there after his dad died or had his friend Lazarus' funeral. He was hungry. He was cold. He was lonely. He was rejected. He was beat up. He died a death harder and more painful than I hope any of you do. Like, he gets this stuff, but we can approach him because of his grace. You see, his mercy, when we approach him with grace, we do that by going his way and being with him, and then what we get from him is mercy. And so I know, and I have to keep saying this even to myself, guys, because you just want to short-circuit that and forget that God will provide. And it should change the way that we pray. It should change the way that we live. Like, God, give me this and this and this. Okay, why do you want this and this? Because what I really think I would need... Do you really need that? I don't know. Okay. Now you're getting somewhere. Confidence before God. You guys like homework? Praise team's going to come on up, and we're going to sing a couple more prayers, okay? That's really what it is. But I'd like to invite you into to true worship, okay? True worship, praise, singing praises is part of it. I hope to God that this is worship, what we're doing here on Sunday, that that's our position, our posture. But true worship is, is the idea the respect and reverence given to a superior being. And that superior being is God. And so that's our commonality here. Some of you like the cinnamon rolls better than the eclairs, right? There's division amongst likes. Some of you like coffee and some of you don't. Why we're all here, uh, what combines us together is Jesus and the fact that he came to save each one of us. And he's doing something in your life because he got you here. Okay? So I don't want to waste Sundays. I want us to be a people who can approach 
God in confidence because of his grace. I want us to, I'll say that again. I want us to be a people. I want to be a man who can approach God in confidence because of his grace. But when I do that, I know that his grace doesn't say do whatever you want, Will. His grace says, I never expected you to get it all right in the first place, and I loved you before you got any of it right. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And that kind of attitude that you're loved, man, that is like, that's the fuel for the agapao of your life. So when we pray today, I'd even challenge you. I love it, Brandy. You've, give, you've given this, I know, to a few different groups we've been part of. This kind of challenge. What if, what if I gave you something as you're praying this week? Just, just this one thing to, to pray about, to meditate on. Are you comfortable with that word? Singular focus on this one thing this week. And then go where the Spirit takes you with that. But it's this. You can approach God in confidence because Jehovah Jireh, God provides. You don't even have to tell him what you need. What if you were to pray and instead of asking God for what you need, if you would proclaim the truth that he is the God that provides for every need. I tried it. I know there's some doubts. Let, let, me, let me get unspiritual for a second. Step back, okay? Being a pastor, how many times a week do you think people ask me, will you pray for me? A lot. So when my wife brought me that challenge, I was a little bit like, yeah, right. But I did it. And to give you a practical tip, it's like, let's say your health is an issue, right? And normally, what do you pray when your health is an issue? Heal that thing that's the issue, right? Make it go away. What if you transform your mind, your, your thinking, to, to put on the mind of Christ that says this? God, I know that you're the God who provides. You know what I'm dealing with. And I'm just praising you because I know you're providing and I don't know how. But you are God and I am not. That, guys, that's more worship than like a 45-hour worship concert. You get that? That like, even though I'm afraid this thing could take me out, I'm going to say that you provide. And I'm going to speak it out loud. So people, angels, demons, and the Spirit, and my own mind can hear this. Woo, relationship, I gotta, please make it, but no, God, you provide. Like, you provide, you know what it is. Fill me with you, you know? I mean, just like, I know that you're here. I know that you're working. And then if we do that, guys, then the church doesn't have to lay out a little evangelism plan because then it's like, what is wrong with Jackie? That girl is pumped, man, and she just believes. 
Like, I want what she has. And what she has is Jesus and confidence before God. I don't need a pamphlet or a bracelet. Not that those things are evil, but my life should be the tool that tells people about God. So what if we, and I challenge you, man, I dare you. Okay, let me kick it 80s style. I triple dog dare you, okay? I quadruple. Quadruple dog, yeah, you can even up it there. Uh, I dare you infinity. Okay, there, now, now, now it's done. I dare you infinity to praise God for who he is. To praise God for who he is. Jehovah Jireh, you will provide. There we go. Lord, you, Jehovah Jireh, you will provide. You provide all of this. So we just praise you. We know that that's true. God, could you get us pumped up, man, for who you are? Get us pumped up for who you are. You are the provider. You're the one true God. You're the one that brings hope and peace. The one who loves us, who loved us before we loved you back. The one who's so patient, so faithful, so loving, so powerful. You could destroy us in a second and you don't. Everything we give to you, every concern, every worry, every need, every relationship, every health, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We praise your name. Please hear the the words of this song as prayer from our heart. Fill us, Lord, with your love and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.